0: Hoop season is back. That's right. The screech of the hardwood, high-flying dunks, everything, man. Hoop season's back. The swish of the net. Dane and Nick, episode 3 Pack Pac-12, baby hoops. Yeah, we're rolling with baby hoops because I said it that way. I'm pumped. It's hoops season. Who does not love hoops? Stay inside. I'm from Seattle. Let's stay out of the cold, rainy winters. Let's watch some good basketball. And now let's just get to it. Oh, 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 oh! And before we get to it, most importantly, Bill Walton is back. The best Canadian, the best, oh, the best duo, of course, besides for Dana and Nick. But Bill Walton and Dave Pasch are back announcing games, and it does not get much better than that. It doesn't get much better than that at all. So here we are, Pac-12. Little preview of the basketball. Let's get to it. So quickly at the top this year. Uh, your Tier 1 teams, uh, I'm going to break them down to three tiers here. Your Tier 1 three teams are going to be Washington, Oregon, Arizona, and Colorado. Uh, many experts outside of uh, this podcast would have Oregon and Colorado as the likely 1 and 2, just depending on the media outlet. So if you're going to go down to your next tier teams, you have Oregon State, Arizona State, and USC. We're going to call those our Tier 2 teams. And that definitely, um, out, of that, out of that group, Oregon State definitely could have a solid year. We'll jump into them a little bit later. In Tier 3, rounding out the conference down at the bottom, we have Utah, UCLA, Washington State, and Stanford. <clears throat> wow, they must really be bad because I'm choking over here. Uh, Stanford and Cal. So that's going to kind of round out your group. Um, so a couple of quick notes around the conference. There are five new McDonald's All-Americans you have Nico Mannion and Josh Green for Arizona, Jaden McDaniels and Isaiah Stewart for UW, and Isaiah Mobley at, US3, at USC. We also have three new coaches. Um, Wow, the voice is getting a little raspier to start off the episode. Got a good night of sleep and everything, ladies and gentlemen. But so we have uh, three new coaches. We have Mark Fox at Cal, uh, UCLA and McCronin, and uh, down at Wazoo, we have Kyle Smith. So... This year looks like a year where the Pac-12 can kind of gain some national exposure and national attention. Um, They've been down the last couple of years, but this year with the new recruiting classes, the new, or with the high recruiting classes, the new McDonald's All-Americans and the new coaches, this should be a solid year and some fun season of Pac-12 hoops. All right, Dane, let's get to it. Your turn. Let's start us off.
1: All right. Yeah. So I'll go ahead and give you my tiers too. Mine are slightly different. Um tier one i only have two teams and it's oregon and washington i I think washington is going to uh win the uh regular season uh championship again for back-to-back year uh it's mostly because of their recruits that they got coming in and mike hopkins uh system that he runs up there that uh that zone defense that they run so well um isaiah stewart Jaden mcdaniels are, are both mcdonald's all americans And I think you put them into that system, and they're going to do very well. So, yeah, I got Washington winning it all. Um, And then, of course, up there with them is Oregon. Uh, Oregon may struggle at the beginning of the year because uh, their five-star, or one of their five-stars, Nafale Dante, is going to be out. Uh, NCAA clearance issues, I guess, until the middle of December. So uh, it'll be up to C.J. Walker, their other five-star that they got. Um, to really lead that team, of course, with Peyton Pritchard and Dana Altman as well. Okay, so my Tier 2 schools are Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, USC, and UCLA. I know UCLA is in a rebuild mode, but um, based on their tradition and history and ability to recruit, I have to put them up there in Tier 2. I can't put them any lower. Um, and then I have uh, what I like to call a tier 2.5. So they're not quite a tier 2, but certainly not a tier 3. Uh, I got uh, Stanford in Utah. So um, Dejon Davies up there at Stanford is a great player. He's a five-star recruit. Um, he's going to have to have a big year for them. Um, and then Utah has a bunch of good freshmen coming in. I'll break them down later. Uh, but I like their team. Um and so we'll see what Utah is able to do. I'm certainly willing to move them up into Tier 2 if they perform well at the beginning of the year. I think Larry Kostoviak is a great coach, uh, really good at what he does. His recruiting, um, I can't exactly say the same, but they had a pretty good class this year. I think it was 46 overall, and they have a guy from Finland and a four-star kid. Uh, from Salt Lake City so uh, what Utah is able to do this season um, will be important in their development as a program and um, Oregon State as well Uh, of course with Trey Tinkle and Ethan Thompson and head coach Wayne Tinkle they know what they're doing Um, they're a dark horse for me uh, this year in the conference but um, yeah the teams at the top and I don't think it's um, very close is uh, Oregon and Washington and then, of course, the Tier 2, like I said, was Arizona, Colorado, Arizona State, USC, and UCLA. And then you can lump in uh, Tier 2.5, Oregon State, Stanford, and Utah.
0: Thanks, Dane, for your opening thoughts. And always, I think uh, the viewers should know, or the listeners, let's be technical, should all give uh, Dane some love. He does all the editing for this podcast, so it's much appreciated. And yeah, viewers, show Dane some love. He he puts in the hard work where this guy over here is just talking and stuff. So respect to Dane. But now uh, we'll jump into one of the tier one teams. And uh, I'm not going to go ahead and kind of rank them one through 12. I will give you my... My uh, kind of team, I think, that will win the conference at the end of the episode. But, um, again, I'll break them down in Tier 1 teams, Tier 2, Tier 3. I think it's just a little bit easier that way in hoops. It's uh, You just never know. So, Colorado this year, um, projected first by App on Sports. Um, I believe um, ES, or uh, Sports, the Pac-12 Network actually had them second. So, they're going to be around the top, depending on the media outlet, as I said before. Uh, they have a great point guard in McKinley-Wright. He is the downright leader of the team, explosive, can shoot the ball, can really do everything on the court. He'll take Colorado as far as they're going to go. He could be one of the best players nationally. I'm not going to go ahead and say he's like a top five point guard, but he's definitely in that elite, elite status. Maybe not the best player, but definitely elite. Um, next to him, you have four, Tyler Bay, who's just a great all-around player, um, can kind of balance out McKinley. And those two are really going to be kind of, leading the unit, leading the squad. A lot of scoring is going to come from those guys. And down low, uh, they're going to benefit from the return of Dallas Walton, who's a seven-foot center. He's coming off an injury last year. So having a star point guard McKinley-Wright, bona fide stud, a uh, solid scorer and great play, all-around player in, uh, for Tyler Bay, and then the return of a seven-foot center in Dallas Walton, there's a reason why they're projected so high. This is going to be a tough team to beat. No one wants to face them. And uh, head coach Tad Boyle have, has lots of experience at Colorado. So they're not going to be easy out, and they should be in the NCAA tournament this year.
1: Okay, yeah, I agree that they're going to make the NCAA tournament. I think the Pac-12 has potentially six teams to make the, um, the tournament this year, and I'll, I'll talk about each of them um, at, at the, uh, the closing segment here at the end of the episode. Um, but for Colorado, so Nick mentioned uh, McKinley Wright so what happens if a team shuts him down like where where is the production gonna come from if mckinley wright is shut down by a lockdown defender or is having an off game and that's that's my thing with colorado i know tyler bay's good don't get me wrong great player um gets a lot of rebounds scores a lot actually averages more points than mckinley wright um the McKinley Wright is an assist guy. That's really what he does. He runs the offense. Um so yeah, if he, if he, if McKinley Wright is shut down, then where's the production going to come from? I mean, for me, I think the key for Colorado to go far um and my favorite player on the Colorado team is uh Evan Batty. Um I remember him last year as a freshman. He is huge. I, don't, I can't pull up his stats really quickly um for his, you know, his height. And uh, with, but it's a big guy. He's a he's a big guy, and um, he was a pleasant surprise uh, last year. The way that he's able to get buckets, um, just his size overall, his presence on the inside is is huge. For um, he would play on a lot of teams here in the conference, and he's a great player. And he's got to make a good jump from freshman to sophomore year. If Evan Batty uh, improves. Uh, you know substantially, um I might change my tune on Colorado's chances this year to win the conference, though, as I said earlier, if you shut down McKinley right or if he has an off night, where's the production gonna come from, and how are they gonna get you know wins uh away uh from Boulder because they're gonna win at home It's an extremely tough environment to play. The fans are very passionate. Um, it's a great home court advantage up there, and you know six thousand feet or however many feet it is um so they 're gonna win at home um I actually wouldn't be surprised if they lost no games at home if they went undefeated out there in Boulder but um a lot of teams are gonna do what they can to shut down right, and that 's gonna force Tyler Bay to take a lot more shots and I don't know if they can handle it I mean I might change my tune but um, there's a few other teams I like in this conference better than Colorado at this point in the season could always change but uh, we'll see how it goes I'm interested to see there's a lot of hype around Colorado this year and they have a huge matchup in China against Arizona State this week so um, if you're going to live up to that hype you got to win that game
0: So the next tier one team we're going to be talking about is the Arizona Wildcats and obviously they did a down year last year with all the kind of recruiting, just weird off the court allegations type stuff. Let's keep it strictly to hoops. Let's not worry about that crud. It's a part of the game and it definitely affected them last year, but this year should be a different story. So Sean Miller can just focus on coaching and the Wildcats should be back. On the court, they're going to have two new studs or should be stud, but Two new five star recruits and Nico Mannion and uh, Josh Green. And these are basically the two high profile um, recruits of a uh, recruiting class that was ranked number five nationally last season. So having these two guards will definitely be a huge bonus and get Arizona hoops back where it used to be. Um, they have Chase Jeter down low. The Duke transfer, he averaged around 11 points a game last year, I think, is a little bit less than that. So with Nico Mannion and Josh Green, if they can if even one of those players can basically live up to the hype, combined with Chase Jeter and maybe a little bit of support from Brandon Williams, Arizona should be back in the tournament. Arizona should maybe not be like back to kind of their dynasty level caliber that they used to be. Maybe dynasty wasn't the right word, but they definitely are gonna be back in the tournament and should be solid. The UA lineage will live on. Listen to my boy, Dane, though. This is his squad. He knows what's up.
1: Yeah, so for me, um, I have Arizona in the Tier 2. If you heard my intro, um, my Tier 1 is Oregon and Washington. So my Tier 2 includes Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, USC, and um, UCLA. So um, a lot of the reason that I have the Wildcats in Tier 2 is mostly uh, based on what happened last year and the fact that a lot of the uh, players from that team are returning. Um, So if you look at the statistics, it was basically the worst Arizona basketball season since like 1982. And so a lot of those players are returning, though the Cats do have a uh, very highly ranked recruiting class coming in. I think it was the sixth best or fifth best in the entire country. It's led by Nico Mannion, who's a point guard who I believe 247 had uh number 8 or number 9 overall in the entire country and Josh Green uh, as well. He was a uh I think he was 13th overall in the entire country. So they were both McDonald's All-Americans uh very highly um ranked um, by multiple different uh Recruiting services. Uh, another kid that's coming in is Zeke Naji. Uh, the reports here are that he's going to be a starter. Uh, he's a four-star, very, uh, very tall. I think he's like six ten or taller, and um, big. You know, he's not uh, a skinny six ten like a lot of uh, or some players are. Um, so Zeke Naji uh, is going to contribute a lot. And then Chase Jeter uh, is a senior center who's going to be pivotal for the Wildcats. Um, and then you have your emotional leader, Dylan Smith, who um, plays pretty good defense, um, what he does in the offensive end. Um, it's not always as good. He's a streaky shooter, and he's more, uh, more often he's cold than he's hot, though um, he's going to be big leading the young freshmen uh, and setting the example for them. Uh, I think that's going to be very important um, for the team's success. And then there are two transfers that are coming in uh, immediately eligible to play. Uh, Max Hazard is a shooting guard at UC Irvine, a great player who can score a lot. Uh, and then uh, Jamal Baker is a guard uh, transferred from Kentucky, um, is able to score as well and run the point um, when needed, if needed. Um, so those, that's what uh, the roster is looking like uh, for the Cats. And But for me, I have them in Tier 2 and that's more of a reflection on the teams in Tier 1 uh, than the Wildcats' talent. Though, um, if Nico Mannion lives up to his expectations, uh, you can certainly put the Wildcats up there in the Tier 1. Uh, But for me, I I like Oregon and Washington better than Arizona this season. Oh, and I forgot to mention about Arizona. Uh, Brandon Williams is going to be out for this season. He's recovering um, from a knee surgery that I believe occurred um, sometime over the summer, and he needs to um, let it settle or rehab that knee um, for about an entire year before he can come back and play, so he will not be with the Wildcats this season on the court, though uh, he is still on the bench, he's still on the team, and um, it's kind of up in the air, it's unknown if he's going to be playing next season, but... um, I think the expectation for most uh, people is that he will be playing next year, uh, though that's not been confirmed. um, But he's not going to be on the team this season.
0: The Ducks are a team that a lot of kind of nationally... Wow, I said that really smooth. That was awesome. (laughs) No, so the Ducks are a team that... According to Pac-12 Network, they're projected to win the conference. And, um, I mean, they had a great season last year. Made a, made the tournament, won the Pac-12 title, and won four games in a row. Really kind of shocked the conference and pulled a miracle out their whoopee cushion to make the tournament. So, I, I love that word, whoopee cushion. Okay, get to the point, Nick. So, you're looking at the Ducks this year. And um, the reason I actually... They're still a Tier 1 team, don't get me wrong. But the reason I don't think they're going to win the conference is because... They're, they lost Kenny Wooten, and with the hype of Bull Bull being injured last year, and the star, point guard Peyton Pritchard and uh, wing player Louis King last year, or as, or as Bill Walton call him, Louis the King, uh, Kenny Wooten was really just that defensive enforcer, man. He blocked everything. He was like a young Dwight Howard. I'm talking young, not old. Good analogy, good analogy. So losing him is really going to hurt their defense. They're not going to be the same. Um, they still have Peyton Pritchard manning the point. He's a great all-around player. Um, he's going to need to uh, be able to hit some three points this year. That's kind of be going to be his biggest, uh, step in development. If he can become a knockdown three point shooter, like really consistent, the ducks will be very tough to beat. Um, they did get the nation's number one junior college transfer in Chris Duarte. She had some scoring and athleticism. They also have a new recruit, a five-star recruit in CJ Walker. So they do have some uh, new pieces for sure. Um, It'll be fun to see. They returned Francis Ocaro, who's kind of a big forward. He doesn't have the verticality as Wooten, but he definitely adds some physicality, some hustle. Verticality and physicality sound really similar. But no, Ocaro is just adds some strength, adds some heart, adds some hustle. When he was inserted in the lineup last year, it changed the team a lot. So Oregon's still going to be good. I don't necessarily see them being an elite team or winning the conference or anything like that. So we're going to call them a bottom tier one team, but they should qualify for the ncaa tournament
1: okay so i got oregon in tier one as well um i think i'm a little bit higher on oregon than nick uh the main reason for me is peyton pritchard uh and dana altman Uh, peyton pritchard averaged uh like four and a half assists per game and something around 13 points per game last year and he's now coming back for his senior season He knows exactly how to run that system there. At Oregon, he's going to distribute the ball and score. He can finish around the rim. Uh, He's able to hit threes. And he is also a good free-throw shooter. Um, And when you have a senior leader like that, uh, you are very well set um, to have a good year. And they're going to be without their best recruit, uh, Nafale Dante, who was a top 15 uh, rated recruit according to 247. And so it has something to do with uh, NCAA clearance, but he'll be um, back on the team or on the team uh, sometime in December. And so in the meantime, the other five stars, C.J. Walker, is going to have to step up in a big way um, and and fill the gap or fill the shoes that Dante um, will uh, you know leave. And so what Oregon does. Um, you know, maybe not at the beginning of the season is going to be a reflection of who they really are. And they may struggle a bit at the beginning of the year. Uh, but once they hit conference season, they're going to be rolling. And once it uh, turns to March, they're going to be, you know, like a locomotive coming down uh, the tracks right into uh, the NCAA tournament. So I'm really uh, I'm higher on Oregon than Nick, it sounds like. Though um, I understand some of the concerns he has. Uh, My big thing with them is they have depth, and it's quality depth. It's not just um, players who can play. It's um, quality players who are on their bench, and they've had that for a while. So, and you really have to, the X factor there is Dana Altman's coaching ability, particularly their defensive system that they run. It's it's almost like a full-court press um, where they, they pressure really hard and it's difficult to just get the ball across the mid line. And when they're running that effectively, they tend to go off on the offensive end and it's just a snowball effect. Um, especially when they're playing up there in Eugene. And so what, uh, Dana Altman does, he gets his players to buy in. They believe everything he says. And for good reason, um, you know, he's, wonderful coach there's no way you can get around that and because of his ability to coach and the recruiting class that they bought in uh, with all the uh, talent uh, depth wise um, and then Peyton Pritchard they're a tier one school for me and really the only ones that can compare is Washington the rest of the conference is just uh, on a completely different level if you ask me
0: Another in the final tier one team rounding out the group here is going to be the Washington Huskies. Um, they still have Mike Hopkins as head coach, great defensive minded coach. So there's a lot of things happening here at UW this year. Um, we'll start with who they lost and then get to their new recruits. because They do some great new recruits, but it is going to be virtually impossible to replace Matisse Thybul on the wing. Um, there's just quite frankly, no one Pretty much nationally, you can defend like him. I'll say he's the best defender nationally last year, at least in terms of per, uh, perimeter players. Uh, he's going to be solid in the NBA. They lost Jalen Noel, who uh, was their leading scorer last year. Dynamic score could create off the dribble, could really just create his own shot in space, just do pretty cool stuff, man. 15 foot and then he's deadly. He had the ability to stretch the floor with his three-point. So it's going to be um, difficult to replace those guys. But guess what? Utah has the players to replace those guys just in a different way they have a uh, two highly regarded recruits i believe yeah they're definitely both five-star mcdonald's all americans you've um isaiah stewart who's a beast um do you really need more just go look at a picture of him he's a beast he's gonna dominate down low in conference there's <laughs> not many players who are gonna be able to match up to him, size and strength wise um you have jade mcdaniels another five-star recruit who's a lengthy athlete um should add some kind of perimeter defense, not to the level of ball, but some perimeter scoring, attack the basket, um, you know, just attack the basket, that type of stuff, dunk on some people, make some cool highlights. And then you have a Kentucky transfer. If I, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right. Quade Green, Quade Green. As much as I like to joke around, I don't like to mess up people's names. So sorry if I'm saying that wrong. I believe it's Quade Green, but again, I could be wrong. But either way, he's a transfer from Kentucky, dude. Do I need to say more? Like, come on. So that three-headed monster, UW's definitely a Tier 1 team. They're definitely going back to the NCAA tournament. And uh, Mike Hopkins always has a great defensive team. So they should be well-balanced and tough to beat.
1: All right, so I have Washington winning the conference. They are the top of my Tier 1. They are, in my mind, the best um, suited to win the conference. Uh, A lot of it has to do with the defensive system that Mike Hopkins runs. I'm a really big believer in that zone that he took from uh, Syracuse and I believe uh, he's going to be able to have success again this season with the recruiting class that he's brought in, which arguably is the strongest. I know it's not ranked the highest, but they have the highest rated players. So um, Isaiah Stewart and Jada McDaniels, I think Isaiah Stewart is um, number three or number two overall. And uh, Jaden McDaniels is, I believe, eight. So, yeah, that's really high. Um, the only other school that compares on that level is Arizona's recruits. Um, but Washington's are ranked higher. So, that leads me to believe that Washington's going to have a better season. And Mike Hopkins is a great coach, he really knows what he's doing. And uh, that system that they run up there on defense is uh, stifling. So the key for them is going to be implementing that defensive system and then gelling on offense. So the uh, freshmen's ability to gel together is going to be huge. They're going to have a lot of size on the inside, which is really going to help them on the defensive end. And we'll have to see how they're able to perform on offense. And yeah, like I said, I think they're going to win the conference championship uh, for back to back years. And um, I'm a big believer in the Washington Huskies for this season.
0: Okay, so we made it through the tier one. We made it through the elite. And here we are to the less fortunate teams. Actually, to be honest, some of these tier two teams are pretty good, so I'm not trying to rag them too much, but you know they do lack maybe the ne- the kind of elite athleticism and talent that some of these tier 1 teams have. So we're going to start off with Arizona State in the tier 2. You have Bobby Hurley is still their head coach and ever since he's taken over, ASU's been a very solid program. I believe they've made the NCAA tournament in back-to-back years. So they're they're doing a lot right down in uh, Tempe. Or whoa. Whoa. Oh, it is Tempe. Sorry. I thought I said Tucson there. So forgive me, U of a and ASU. Let's I'm not not getting in the middle of that rivalry. So ASU returns Remy Martin, who's a great point guard and a pass 1st point guard. He's going to get lots of players involved. Um, That's just a valuable weapon to have, especially at the college level. Not everyone sees the floor and can get everyone involved. And when you have a coach like Bobby Hurley, who who, uh, emphasizes team basketball and team defense, this is just pretty much a match made in heaven. But someone does have to score the ball, and that's where senior Rob Edwards can help out. He, uh, he's another guard, and he scored in double figures last year. Expect him to get some, hit some open shots, um, drive to the hoop, get some buckets down low, just kind of be your all-around scorer. They have a transfer in junior college All-American Alonzo Verge. He averaged over 30 points per game last year. It'll be interesting to see how that translates into the Division One level. But if you score 30 points per game, you can clearly put the ball in the hoop. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens with him. Uh, as long as his confidence high, he should be tough to stop. And they will need to replace the scoring of Lugens Dort, who's now in the NBA. So you got Bobby Hurley, great coach, and Remy Martin leading the unit. And ASU is probably going to be a bubble team this year. Um, If they can find one more scoring option outside the aforementioned name players, they should be solid and could get themselves into March Madness. For this
1: season, uh, Remy Martin is going to be the uh, driving force behind uh, their success. Um, Remy Martin is a fantastic player who really has a great uh, motor. You know, effort level is extremely high. He averaged five assists per game last year, which is a very high mark, and 12.9 points per game, so 13 points a game and five assists. That is um, a really important piece of the ASU puzzle this season. Um, Looking at their recruiting class, Their highest-ranked recruit was uh, Jalen House. He's a four-star, ranked 118th nationally. He's a point guard out of Phoenix, went to Shadow Mountain High School. So he's a local kid who is going to be extremely motivated to represent the uh, greater Phoenix metro um, for the Sun Devils. And so his development uh, and how he gels with Remy Martin, is going to be uh, very pivotal to their success this season. They also have a center, also from Phoenix, coming in, uh, Jalen Graham. uh, 247 lists him at 6'9", 205, 169th best player in the country. Um, So again, uh, another Phoenix kid that's going to be representing the Sun Devils this season. Um, So the extra motivation to put on uh, for his city for his local area on the national scene uh, is there and um, what Bobby Hurley does with his freshman class will be interesting to see. Um, It was the fifth best class in the Pac-12 and the 39th overall class in the whole country and it'll be up to Bobby Hurley to translate that into success.
0: So the next team I'm going to talk about is my surprise pick of the year. Um, I think maybe outside the conference, a lot of people may not know about them, but inside the conference, they really shouldn't be a surprise. And we're talking about the Oregon State Beavers here. I'm actually, it was too weird to kind of go in between tier one and tier two, but that's exactly where Oregon State is. But for logistics, we're going to call them a tier two team with the ability to really, really beat some people. So, Like I said, my surprise team to watch. And the main reason why is they return Trace Tinkle. He's a great all-around forward. He can shoot the ball. He makes all the right reads. He can pass. Um, His one knock is probably defense. He's not like an extremely athletic player. But um, besides for that, he's he's a tough weapon. I actually think he could be outside shot at winning Pac-12 Player of the Year. He's just one of those type of players who you kind of know he's not going to make the NBA, um, maybe some professional options outside of America, but in conference and in the Pac-12, he could really cause some damage and be amazing. If you think of a Brock Modem type player for WSU, Trace Tinkle is along those lines, probably even a little bit better scorer. So Tinkle is a player to watch out for. Along with him, you have a great three-point shooter, Ethan Thompson, who's going to help space the floor, give Tinkle more room to work down low. I love saying the word Tankle. <laughs> Such an awesome name. Man, he's a stud though, but nothing to laugh about. And uh, you also have a great defensive center in Kyler Kelly. So between those three players, you have a lot. You have a lot. You got a scorer, you got a shooter, and you got a great defensive center. So the one thing that they need that will make them a tough, tough team, even maybe an outside shots win the conference championship is a point guard. If they can find a solid point guard who can just make a, maybe just hit a couple threes, distribute the ball, protect it without turning it over, they could be tough. So Oregon State, surprise team to watch this year, should be a lot of fun in Corvallis. There's not been a lot of excitement around their basketball program pretty much forever since like the Gary Payton and Gary Payton Jr. So this this could be a really fun year for the fans of Corvallis.
1: Alright, yeah, I agree with almost everything that Nick said there. That is um a good analysis of Oregon State. Uh for me if you're listening to this for the first uh first time and you skip the other segments, um my tiers are a little bit different than Nick. So in tier two I have Arizona, ASU, USC, UCLA, and Colorado. And I I said that uh Oregon State is my tier two point five, so I'm not willing to put Oregon State at tier three but they're not quite at tier two for me. Um, so they certainly um, have potential though. Uh, Trey Tinkle, uh, one of the best players in the conference, hands down. Uh, Wayne Tinkle is uh, his dad, he's the coach, uh, knows exactly how to coach him. Ethan Thompson, um, like Nick said, also a great player who's able to contribute a lot to the team. And you look at their record last year in conference 10 and 8, 18 and 13 overall. So then if you're expecting them to make a jump, um because you know what uh trey tingle is going to give you and ethan thompson are going to give you you got to look at their recruiting class and if you pull it up on 247 sports uh it was at the bottom of the conference so they're ninth in the conference uh 71 overall uh the 71 overall you know that's not awful uh it's a improvement on the previous year um so uh on both the pac-12 ranking and the national ranking so uh, it'll be interesting to see which one of their freshmen are able to um, to contribute. So they have two guards who committed, two forwards who committed, and a center who committed. Um, and it looks like, uh, yeah, another center. So um, we'll see how, how they perform. Um, all of their recruits are three stars. Um, but, yeah, we'll have to see uh, what Wayne Tinkle can do um, with that program this year. Um like Nick said, I I do think that they're a dark horse. I think that they have the potential to make the NCAA tournament. And right now I have 6 teams that are going to make the tournament or ha- I mean have potential to make the tournament. Who knows what's going to happen. Uh and Oregon State is right there at 7 for me. So they're they're on the cusp. Uh they need to perform well in the non-conference season. This week is big for them. They got to step up. They play Iowa State and Oklahoma. Both those games are there in Oregon and um, one's part of the Phil Knight Classic. The other one is a true home game against an Iowa State team that made the NCAA tournament last year and I think made it to the round of 32. So if you're legit, if you're going to make an improvement this year, if you're going to go out strong as a senior with Trey Tinkle and uh, make your legacy there at Oregon State, you got to win at least one of those games. You can beat either of those teams. Oklahoma's beatable. Iowa State's beatable. Um, Trey Tinkle's going to have to play awesome and Ethan Thompson's going to have to play efficient. And those freshmen are going to have to contribute if they're able to do that. Uh, I think that sets them off on a really strong foot for this year uh and their chances to make the NCAA tournament. Uh I do believe that they will win one of those games. Um, either the one in the Phil Knight Classic against uh Oklahoma or that true home game against Iowa State. Um at the very minimum there's gonna be a lot of um fans of the conference watching both of those games to see how the Beavers do. And I totally agree with Nick. They are a Dark Horse candidate this season to perform well. And they have the potential to be a bubble team.
0: So another one of these uh, Tier 2 teams, and rounding out the group actually, the final Tier 2 team we're going to talk about is USC. And uh, USC is probably the most confusing team uh, so far I've discussed. They have a lot of upside. They also have the potential to be pretty bad. It kind of just depends on really what happens on the court. Wow, <laughs> that was pretty obvious. Depends on what happens on the court. Great insight. No, but so they have a couple new players who um, kind of depends on what they're going to do, if they're going to step up or if they're going to shy away from the spotlight in LA. So first off, you've Nick Rakovich-Rokikovic. I'm again, sorry for the name. I've heard this name before. That's going to be something I have to work on in the year. So he's a consistent double-double and a great player. He's going to be USC's leader for sure. If you think of a ex-USC player who's now in the NBA Nick Nikola Vucevic that name I got right though baby um he's kind of along those lines so he's a great double double player no fun to play against we'll box you out we'll do all the little things right and the little things are probably more important than the big things in any sport really and in life there's here we go on a life analogy so along with him they have a veteran scorer in a uh, Jonah Matthews and uh He'll, he'll really kind of have to hold the load. I'd say make a bunch of three-pointers, stretch the floor. He's kind of their biggest returning scorer. They have a five-star recruit in Isaiah Mobley, and he's a five-star recruit, so you're hoping he comes in and makes some sort of impact. We'll have to see exactly what that means at the Division I level. Everyone's athletic in the Pac-12, so he's not going to be able to rely on that alone, but he should, add so- he should add something. I mean, he's a five-star recruit. There should be something that he adds to the team. And they also have Quentin Aldesh, who's a transfer from Columbia. And he's a pretty solid shooter, just a solid score all around. So uh, I'd say the main thing with the Trojans, you got Rakovich or Kikita, however you say his name, going to be your solid double-double. But how will Isaiah Mobley, Jonah Matthews, and Quentin Aldish basically do? If those three can score on a consistent basis, USC has a good chance of making the NCAA tournament. If not, they have a great chance of finishing in the bottom tier of the conference.
1: Nick Rakosevich, yeah. Now, I um I like USC. Um I've liked their program under Andy Enfield because of their ability to recruit. Uh you know, living here in Tucson, um the recruiting of college basketball players is hyped by our media and so I know the players that go to USC because they're they Arizona and USC recruit the same players. So I know the kids that go there and um I'm impressed with what Andy Enfield is able to do there recruiting-wise. Now, he hasn't really been able to translate that into on-court performance, though I think it was in 2017, um, maybe 2018, where they finished like second in the conference and lost in the Pac-12 championship game and didn't get invited to the NCAA tournament. And that was just a a horrible thing that the committee did to the Trojans and it makes no sense to me um, because they're able to recruit at a high level every single year if you look at their recruiting class um, for this year I'll pull it up, it's taking me a second but it's top 10, I want to say it's um, even higher, it maybe about 8 or 6 here we go, I'm pulling it up, yada 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 okay yeah, USC, they were the 7th overall, they are the 7th best recruiting class in the entire country. And that's third best in the uh, Pac-12, which will will um, let you know where the other schools are at. But, um, yeah, I mean, every single year they're pulling in top 10, top 15 recruiting classes. And they got a guy coming in in 2020 who's one of the best players in the entire country. He might be the number one recruit. I can't figure out his name right now because the internet's slow. But, um, yeah, for this season, um, Isaiah Mobley, five-star. Okay, number 20 overall in the entire country. He's um uh, right there from Temecula. So he's a local kid. Uh power forward 69220. He's going to be able to score um anywhere on the court, inside, outside. You don't um become a five-star uh, for no reason, especially if you're from Southern California. If you're a five-star, you're legit. Okay, I, don't, I can't pull up his offers, but he was probably being recruited by several of the top programs in the country. And then you also have another five-star coming in: On Onika Onika, Okangu. I can't say his name right now. We'll figure it out when the announcers say it a couple times this year. We'll get it. But um, yeah, he's also a five star, uh, 25th best player in the country. And he's from Chino, California, so he's also a California kid, um, 6'8, 235. So Andy Enfield just need to figure out how to use those high level five stars to get the job done this season. I think they're going to make the NCAA tournament. I'm going to go out on a limb.
0: I'd say the best tier three team as we get into the bottom group here. Thanks for tuning in till the end. You are a true loyal listener, true Pac-12 hoops fan. I mean, you're listening to you know the teams that are definitely gonna get the least publicity. So respect to you. You're good. You're a good person. <laughs> I'm sure you care what I think, but nah, for real, it shows a lot. So we're gonna talk about Utah, who is like I said, definitely the top kind of tier three team. They return sophomore Timmy Allen who's going to be the reliable scorer. Uh, he pretty much has to do everything for them. They really don't return a lot else. They um, lost Parker Van Dyke, who was the sharpshooter, Cedric Bearfield, who was their leading scorer. So the combination of losing these two players is going to hurt the Utes. The one good thing for Utah is they always seem to have a decent, at least a decent team under Larry Kostoviak He's a solid coach, and he usually has a team just ready to play, playing solid basketball, whipping their ball around, fast passing, cuts, and a solid defense. So that is pretty much what you gotta look forward. <laughs> you gotta hope your coach basically gets these players to buy in and play a little bit above their talent level. Um like I said Tim Allen is a good front court player, but you can't do it with just one player. They're gonna need to find some someone else. So let's see what new faces, new names emerge. I wouldn't bet against the Utes it's always tough to win in their home. It's always tough to win against their loud crowds. The Utes have some great fans, whether it's football, basketball, a great fan base. So yeah, let's see what Larry Christovia can do with this team and see how far Tim Allen can take them. What other names will pop up? Utes should be really interesting. A lot of unknowns here. A lot of unknowns.
1: All right, so yeah, Utah. Um, Ryland Jones. He is their highest ranked recruit coming in this year. He is a point guard. Out of Salt Lake City, Utah. So he's a local kid. He's 6'1", 165. Uh, a four-star. And the 113th best player. Uh, according to 247 Sports. In his class. So um, his performance this year. Is going to have a major effect. On their success. Larry Christoviak. Christoviak? Christoviak. Uh, Larry is one of the best coaches in the Pac-12. Um, can't say the same thing about his ability to recruit. Uh, let's just be honest and sh- uh, frank about his recruiting ability. But his X's and O's is fantastic, man. If he was a good recruiter, Utah would be one of the best teams in the conference. And even with average or so recruiting classes, uh He is able to guide them to, um, you know, uh, above average um, performances uh, each season in the conference. So if you look at their recruiting class rank, they were the sixth best recruiting class in the Pac-12 and 46 overall, which is good. That's actually solid. And um, a lot of it is Ryland Jones, uh, the four-star. They have two other three-stars coming in. One from Finland. Uh, We'll see how he does. Uh, Mikael uh who who ta tunin so he's 68215 uh three star kid 213th overall and then they have a- a- another center uh coming in matthew van komen uh who's also from utah 74 oh my god he's 74220 okay we'll see how we'll see how he does on the inside against uh Guys who are shorter but much uh, heavier than him. Um, so we'll see. That's interesting. It's it's Now I'm not really um, well, a lot surprised why their recruiting class is pretty good. Over here at 46 overall in the country, that is solid. Although you're 6 in the Pac-12, which um will let you know where you're at. Uh, but anyways, yeah, Larry Kostowiak, great coach. Home court advantage there is massive. Um, they have a game this week against Nevada. And they um, they need to win that if they want to talk about getting an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament, they they need to perform well in the non-conference season and do well in the NCAA. Or I'm sorry, in the Pac-12 uh, tournament. Uh, that's really important for them. Last year, in the conference, they were 11 and 7, which was actually the third best in the entire conference. Uh, 17 and 14 overall, so that lets you know that in the non-conference, they did not perform as well and they need to certainly uh, improve their non-conference performance. Um, Larry Krasoviak, like I said, uh, is a fantastic coach. X's and O's knows what he's doing. He's able to get the best out of his kids, and with their recruiting class this year being um, better than uh, previous years. And, yeah, so they have a lot of potential to move up into Tier 2, and I wanted to add this additional uh, post-note Uh, because they just beat uh, Nevada, and they looked pretty impressive. The freshmen seem to have been playing well. Ryland Jones and the the Finn, too, I forget his name, from Finland, is playing well. So um, Larry Kostoschak this season uh, is now turning into a dark horse for me to perform well, uh, similar to how Nick views Oregon State. Um, Utah, for me, is becoming that team as well.
0: Nick is back from a snack break, ready to round out the episode, and we have four of the bottom tier 3 teams left. That was weirdly pronounced, we have four tier 3 teams left. And so with these four final teams, there's not a lot to go off of just because of they've lost players, and new coaches, we'll do the best we can here to give you some solid insight. We got you covered, don't worry about it. Dane and Nick rounding out episode 3, finishing our first Pac-12 basketball, gotta love it. So talking about UCLA here, and so the main kind of noise about the UCLA program the offseason is they hired head coach Mick Cronin. Cronin was um, the coach over at Cincinnati previously where he had a lot of success, took his team into many, many NCAA tournaments, so he's a hard-nosed, defensive-minded coach. And this is something the Bruins program has been lacking in the last couple of years. So it should be the right mentality to at least get the kind of program headed in the right direction. In terms of players, they pretty much lost everyone. They lost Chris Wilkes, uh, Jalen Hans the NBA, and uh, all Pac-12 freshman pick in Moses Brown. So with the loss of these three players, they're definitely pretty sparse, pretty spare. This should be a rebuilding year. Very unlikely that they'll make the NCAA tournament. Maybe, maybe an NIT tournament, but probably unlikely. So, got to be led by their defense. And offensively, the two new names to kind of look out for are going to be Jules Bernard and David Singleton. Not a lot to go off go off of here, but those two players, if they can find some offense led by Mick Cronin's hard-nosed defense, UCLA could be solid. Again, Not, not ncaa tournament caliber likely not nit caliber but maybe make the cbi and win it um just you know get the program building in the right direction start to build some good habits some character building wins and that would be a big step for ucla all
1: right yeah so ucla um yeah they're in a rebuild they um like nick said they have a new coach and mick cronin who's coming from cincinnati uh if i remember correctly he came into the recruiting cycle late so they had um not a noteworthy class at all they were 10th in the Pac 12 77th overall they have a four star coming in Jamie um Jacques who's from California's small forward 67 210 they also um last year did not have Sharif O'Neal, who will be playing for them this year And it would be fun to watch him and how he does. Um, But yeah, they moved on from Steve Alford. Um, So it's, and like Nick said, they've lost a lot of players. Um, Though I don't have them in Tier 3. They're Tier 2 for me. A lot of that is based on their tradition and what they've done um, historically and the potential they have uh, moving forward. So it'll be interesting to see who Mick Cronin is able to recruit there. Um, Arizona and UCLA have uh, similar uh, players that they recruit. They recruit the same kids a lot. So I am pretty well-versed in anybody who commits to UCLA. And um, they certainly got their eyes on some very high-level products for 2020 and moving forward in 2021. So um, what they're able to do, uh, and they're favored for a couple of pretty high-level kids I'm talking five stars that are probably going to be McDonald's all Americans. So they, um, this year might not be, um, you know, (laughs) what Bruins fans want, but on the recruiting stage, you're moving up in the world and really, um, Steve Alford was able to recruit at a really high level. So, um, I, I, I don't really agree with his, him being fired though. I can understand the expectations there in Westwood. Um, but, yeah, like Nick said, it's going to be a tough year for them. Um, though, because they're UCLA and they have that notoriety, you can't say that they won't make the NCAA tournament. They're going to be in the discussion no matter what because of who they are and their location in L.A. So we'll see how they do. Um, but for if you're a UCLA fan, um, don't really focus so much on the product this year. And you need to focus all on your recruiting. And you should look at you, who you're targeting in 2020 and 2021 because you got some gems that you're favored for. Um, and so, yeah, take a look at who you're recruiting. That's uh, going to be big for you moving forward.
0: So Stanford is another one of those teams who really are going to have to find something this year. They um they lost KZ Akpala to the NBA and uh, Josh Sharma also to some level of professional basketball. So losing these two players is definitely going to prove tough to replace. Another kind of factor weighing in on them is they don't have a solid recruiting class. So bottom line, it's going to be a difficult year. Uh, Stanford would be very lucky to make the CBI. Um, their leader or... Basically, he's, he's going to have to emerge as a leader. Is going to be Tyrell Terry, who's a four-star point guard. He's going to have to be the guy, just plain and simple. He's going to have to play like a five-star McDonald's All-American if Stanford is going to make any noise this year. Um, he should be solid. I don't know if he'll be good enough to obviously take Stanford to that next level, whatever the next level may be. Um, obviously every team would say that the NCAA championship is their goal. That's probably not realistic for Stanford. So if they can make the CBI, I'd consider it a huge win, kind of along that same level as UCLA. Um, some other names to po- possibly put some points up, play some defense. You have Dejon Davis, Bryce Willis, and Oscar Silva. Uh, one of these three, if not the whole group, will have to emerge as playmakers. Tyrell Terry cannot do it on his own. He's not, I mean, he's very good, but he's not, on that elite level so for stanford this could be a very tough year for jared haas their head coach and the program but who knows um all it takes in basketball is one or two players to step up and things can change very quickly so if again if DeJon davis bryce Wilson, and oscar silva if those three can play above their pay grade i guess they're not getting paid in college but play above their recruitment level they're kind of expected talent level. Stanford could possibly make some noise, but it is highly unlikely.
1: Yeah, I like Dejon Davies, um, Davis. He was a Seattle kid that uh, was committed to play for Lorenzo Romar at Washington and then Romar was terminated and he decided to go to Stanford. Um And, you know, last season was his sophomore year. He had a breakout year, 11.4 points per game with four assists. So he's going to have to make a similar jump um, for this season for them to, uh, you know, have a chance of improving on last year. Uh, I don't think they're even a bubble team, uh, nor do I think they're going to be in the discussion. Though, um, if you're Stanford and your hope is to make the NCAA tournament, you got to catch fire and the Pac-12 tournament. And to do that, Dejon Davis is going to have to average about 15 points a game. And Oscar Da Silva is going to have to average something closer to 12 or 13. Uh, da Silva is a good player. Um, he, he can um, improve uh, you know, without Akpala there. And um, so we'll have to see uh, how they perform. Though, um, like Nick said, their main recruit coming in is Tyrell Terry. He's a kid from Minnesota, a point guard, and his ability to gel with Davis is going to be important. And if they are able to gel well and play off each other's strengths, um, Stanford could score uh, more than they've been able to uh, recently. And so um, I don't know what the vibe is there in Stanford um, when it comes to their basketball team. Uh, I don't think a lot of their fan base – goes to the games. Every time I watch a game uh, at Stanford, it doesn't seem like there's many people in the crowd. So um, we'll see how they do. And um, they were 10-4 at home last year, so they do have a good home court advantage. And um, they'll need to improve on that. And certainly uh, their road record, they're 4-9 and 9 last year on the road. So they need to get to about 500 um, on the road. And um, you know, maybe only lose one or two games at home, and if you're able to do that, uh, you have a chance of um, going off in March in the Pac-12 tournament and uh, potentially winning it. But uh, a lot of things have to go right for them for that to happen.
0: So, one of the last two teams we're going to be talking about here is the California Golden Bears, and quite simple. They just need to find something. They've been pretty miserable the last two years. I believe they only have five wins in the conference, uh, literally over the previous two seasons. So, <laughs> I guess there's nowhere to go for for uh, for them but up. Uh, they do have a new head coach, in Mark Fox. He used to be the head coach at Georgia, and he did lead in some tournaments. So, there's some promise there. There's really not a lot of solid returning players. Um, a lot of players have transferred out via the coaching change and the, uh, the lack of success the last couple of years. They do have a transfer in Paris, Austin. He's a transfer from Boise State, and he averaged 11 points a game last year. In my notes, I have pray for Cal because it's just that bare. I mean, th- their talent level is so slim, and if they win games this year, it's a pure credit to Mark Fox. But I do have some great news for Cal Golden Bears. I'm looking at their team picture, and this team has great hair. Jacob Orrenders repping a nice comb over. Joel Brown's got a cool hairstyle going. You keep on going. Kwani kwani has got some cool hair. You got Grant. Oh, no, his hair ain't that good. Sorry, Grant. I'm sure you're a baller. Respected. You got the shave look. Looking good, looking good. But, you know, you're just not going to make the elite hair on this list. You got Lars Thiemann, beautiful hair. You got David Surge, beautiful hair. Logan Alters. Looking like Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell. Good for him. You got Dimit- Dimitrios Klonaris and a beautiful set of hair. And Blake Well. Yeah. So, if I'm talking about the players' hairstyles, this should tell you that Cal may not be the most talented team. Um, if they make the CBI, it'd be a miracle. But, in those five wins in two years, they did beat Dub last year. So, hey, every dog is their day, but... Cal's most likely going to finish at the bottom of this conference.
1: All right, so for Cal, the key is recruiting. You have a brand new coach. You have an academic institution that is one of the best in the entire world. You have a beautiful place to live in the San Francisco Bay Area. And guess what? There are tons of five-star and four-star high-level recruits right in your backyard. There are literally NBA players playing high school basketball in your area and so Mark Fox is going to be tasked with convincing those kids to stay home and you know what you tell them you point to the Cal players that are in the NBA and you point to the quality of education that the University of California Berkeley can provide it sells itself California is a sleeping Giant When it comes to recruiting, if Mark Fox is able to just put together a halfway decent, I mean, I'm talking a 500 season this year, um, what he will be able to do on the recruiting scene will shock the rest of the conference. I I really believe that Cal is is a sleeping giant when it comes to recruiting and all you have to do is look at the guys that are in the nba that went to cal not that long ago it wasn't it was just a few years ago they were putting kids in the nba and um the academics haven't changed the scene hasn't changed the the bay area it's still the bay area and the talent level uh in the Bay area with the the high school recruits, uh, is still there. You have teams that come from across the country to take kids out of your backyard. You need to lock that down. And, um, Cal, when you compare Cal to Stanford, Cal has a better tradition for putting players in the NBA recently. I think Stanford has a great tradition when it comes to basketball, um, with Mike Montgomery, um, but I'm talking about ability to put kids in the NBA uh, recently, and Cal has that. And so, like I said, they're a sleeping giant. They're just they need to get some coffee or something to wake them up. You need to give them the smelling salts that the hockey players use. You need to put that right into their nose, and that university will sniff it and pop up, and Cal will become uh, one of the uh, best recruiting. Uh, In college basketball uh, for the Conference of Champions. They're gonna, I truly believe they're gonna be able to do it, and I have a lot of hope for that. And um, it'll be interesting to see how they do this season on the court, but um, if you're Cal, uh, you should focus on your recruits and who you're able to land. And um, I'll see if I can tweet about a few things coming up this season about who they're recruiting and who they're offering, who they're potentially leading for, because. Um, they have historically competed with the big boys in the conference, um, and they have uh, a lot of uh, advantages that the big boys don't have uh, when it comes to academics uh, and uh, atmosphere. Um, and you combine that with the uh, success of putting players into the NBA, and um, they're a sleeping giants. So uh, let's wake them up and see what they can do.
0: All right, and the last team we are going to be talking about today is the Washington State Cougars. Oh, boy, have they been bad the last couple years. People would say a Cal was worse. Some people say WSU is worse. Does it matter? Well, I can tell you one thing. Ernie Kent is gone, and the Cougar faithful should be celebrating. Ernie Kent's system was doomed from the start at WSU. To bring in a kind of fast-paced system trying to outscore outshoot teams when you're not going to be able to recruit high talented I mean you're going to get talented players but you're not going to be able to recruit the Arizona the Washington the Oregons. that system made no sense they played no defense and their performance in the NCAA tournament against Oregon State was literally one of the worst basketball games or one of the worst performances I've ever seen by a basketball team so Pullman should be celebrating crack a bush light Ernie Kent's gone at least you have that in terms of on the court, well, <laughs> they don't have a lot. But they do have a new head coach in Kyle Smith who believes in smart ball. And, you know, he actually, like, coaches this thing called defense. So, like, they're going to be playing defense down in the Palouse. So that in, is a start and should get them at least one or two more wins. Uh, CJ Ellerby uh, decided to return. He tested his waters in the NBA. He's a great all-around, uh, scorer, uh, he's a great all-around forward. He can score the ball. He can pass. He can He can do a little bit of everything. He's not great at anything, but he can do a little bit of everything. He's a solid player. Um, good chance he'll be first or second team Pac-12 when the season ends up. So the Cougars, again, uh, great f- <laughs> throw a freaking party. Ernie Kent's gone. They have a chance. And uh, they also lost Robert Franks, which would kind of appear to be a big loss. But he was just a bundle shooter. And even though he scored points, he actually hurt the offensive rhythm. So I think the Cougars could be a little bit better than people have kind of expected. They're predicted to finish like 11th in the conference. But they definitely are not going to be elite. They would kind of maximize their potential by making the CBI. But new coach, new year, new system. Who knows?
1: Yeah, I think CJ Ellaby is one of the best players in the conference. Uh, He had a great freshman year uh, and his ability to make that, uh, freshman to sophomore jump is going to be big. Uh, but yeah, I I really like the way that kid plays. He's a, a good player all around, like Nick said. Um, and yeah, they have the new coach there from San Francisco, uh, and we'll be able to, I guess we'll see, uh, how he implements his offensive system. Um, it's that smart ball or, whatever they terminate or term call it you know it's late guys i'm i'm trying to figure it out myself so we'll have to see uh what what wazoo does this season um robert frank is also a great player um so yeah it's not like it's impossible to recruit there um and we'll see how they're able to do uh but you never really know i guess with wazoo i feel like every year they kind of upset someone in conference that they really probably shouldn't beat uh but we'll have to see uh if they're able to do that again this year with the new coach. I did like Ernie Kent though. Um I can understand the frustration with the fans because that he didn't win there. So and he was able to do pretty well at Oregon, but he was out of the coaching game for a long time, so um but yeah, I think it all comes down to CJ Allaby. He is going to be the uh the engine for that team and um either way I hope that he is uh, able to improve. And if I had to guess, he would declare for the NBA, probably go undrafted at the end of the season, start off in the G League, and see if he can develop uh, into an NBA player. Uh, otherwise, he'll go overseas and make plenty of money uh, doing that. <laughs>
0: You made it. We are at the end. We are here. Oh, yeah, sorry. Since I want to be correct, the WC performance to Oregon was in the Pac-12 tournament. There is no way on this planet universe that the Cougs were in the NCAA tournament last year. So <laughs> let's clarify that in the end. I'm not going to do another air horn or whatever that sound of beautiful music that I just made was. But we made it to the end. So I guess I got to make a pick now of who I think is going to win the Pac-12 title. And I'm going to go with the Washington Huskies. I believe that Isaiah Stewart is just too dominant of a player. His size alone, he has an NBA style body. I mean, he is huge. I don't believe anyone's going to be able to guard him. You've Mike Hopkins defense, that 2-3 sis, uh, 2-3 zone that he's took from uh, Jim Beheim and implemented it on his own team is always tough to score against. Even with Matisse Thiebel gone, they'll execute it. It's some kind of some weird 2-3-1-3-1 hybrid. What whatever it is, it's basically impossible st- to score on. They have Jaden McDaniels, another five-star recruit, a lengthy athlete, and just he's gonna score some buckets. He's gonna be very tough to guard in the, uh, on the wing. And then, oh boy, I have to say his name one final time to, ep- to end out the episode. Quad A Green again. He he was he was recruited by Kentucky, dude. So that yeah, like come on, um yeah, <laughs> literally said that earlier in this episode, but I think you get the drift. Those that three-headed monster is gonna be too much for any team in the conference to stop. If you compare him to the other teams, um, basically the reason I think they're better than Oregon is because Isaiah Stewart's gonna eat them alive down low. Uh, the loss of Kenny Wooten just hurts Oregon, knocks him off that top tier. Same thing with Colorado. They have a great combination of three players McKinley Wright, Tyler Bay, and uh, Dallas Walton, the returning center. But I believe that Washington's four through 12 players is probably better than Colorado's four through 12. I made a really interesting hand gesture I said four through 12. So I guess I don't know what that was all about. But I thought that was very important to include in the podcast. So Huskies are going to win it. Um, my surprise pick, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, is going to be Oregon State. But there's a lot of new talent in the conference and a lot of new coaches. This should be a fun year for Pac-12 basketball. And I got to say, I got my 7th grade tryouts. Going to start my head coaching career tomorrow. So just give a shout out to a random school in North Seattle. 7th graders, do your best tomorrow. Love y'all. Pac-12 hoops. Basketball. Let's get it. Life. Dane. Take us out. No more random words. Deuces.
1: All right. Well, Nick gets to do his uh, coaching. That sounds awesome and a lot of fun. I coach some hockey kids, uh, roller hockey in Arizona here um, on Friday nights. And um, it's a lot of fun. So, yeah, the kids that I coach range from 5 to about 12 or 13. Uh, So that's – it's always fun to coach. And I bet coaching basketball is awesome. So, um, yeah, if, I'll give a little bit of recap. So my tiers were a little bit different than Nick's. My tier one, I think it's clear, is Oregon and Washington. And then the tier two is a bit of a drop-off. Uh, it's substantial. Uh, it's Arizona, Colorado, Arizona State, USC, and UCLA in tier two. At Tier 2.5 because I am split on their potential uh, Oregon State, Utah, and Stanford. Um, Utah just had a big win tonight uh, against uh, Nevada on the road a true road game their freshmen look good so um, if you're listening to the end of this I am already feeling better about Utah and I'm willing to probably move them up to tier 2 if they continue to have a good non-conference season Um, they certainly performed well actually didn't think they were going to beat Nevada I thought they could um, but I was impressed by their victory. I caught about the last eleven minutes, so what Utah was able to do tonight, uh, definitely impressed me. And then yeah, so I'll give. I said I was gonna give the teams that I think are gonna make or have the potential to make the NCAA tournament, and now they've actually expanded with this Utah win. Um, but certainly Oregon and Washington at the top, Colorado, Arizona State, USC, Arizona, UCLA. And then more of an outside shot, um, certainly Oregon State and now Utah. Um, Utah Utah's victory here uh, was big. And I don't know who is um, on their uh, non-conference schedule the rest of the season, but they need to continue to win like this. And as I said in the intro and earlier, my um, pick to win this uh, this year. The conference is Washington. Uh, I think the reasons are pretty clear. Why the recruiting class and the zone defense that Mike Hopkins runs. We'll have to see how those players gel together, which um, is very important for them. Though I think Oregon is give uh, going to give them a run for their money, and Arizona and Colorado um, as well. And I think USC is a um, they're not getting hyped enough for what they have. So we'll see how they do this year. And um, like Nick said, Oregon State is a dark horse. I definitely agree with that. And I'm going to throw in Utah now because of this victory tonight.